Hey there, welcome back to another episode of MVP Business, where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion. I'm your host, Steph Silver, owner of Vine Collective, a marketing, branding, and coaching agency that helps organizations and individuals to clarify their vision, sell more effectively, and rise to the next level. This episode is part of a local series focused on Wimberley Valley organizations in partnership with Wimberley Valley Radio and brought to you by Ozona Bank. Today's guest is Shannon Rigby, owner of Puppy Love Pet Sitting. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's funny, I was just telling you that my friend and I spent the day out in Wimberley Square on a perfect, beautiful day, and we went to the Let Go, owned by the folks from Community Pizza, and there were eight dogs out there. I just wanted to love on all of them. I've seen them as I drove by and I want to stop and love on them and hand out my business card to everyone there. That would be a great place for you to just hang out. There's your networking. I could get behind that idea. We should go. (laughs) Let's go right now. (laughs) Bye, guys. No. So Shannon, tell us a little bit about yourself before you started Puppy Love Pet Sitting. Well, I came to Wimberley for high school. My mom dated somebody from Wimberley off and on as I was growing up. And so we spent time coming here for fun, just like everybody does. We were tourists. And I remember it made a big impression on me because we were here for some parade. I don't know if it was the 4th of July parade or a holiday parade, but Jim J. Bullock was in the parade. For those who are younger than me, he was on the show Too Close for Comfort. And later he had a talk show with Tammy Faye Baker called (laughs) Jim J. and Tammy Faye. He was in the parade, and I thought that was about the coolest thing ever. His grandmother apparently lived here. So when it came time, my mom went through a divorce at the end of my eighth grade year, and she said, we have two places that we could move. We could move to Wimberley, or we could move to Germany. She's a speech pathologist, and she had an offer for a job on a military base. And all I knew is Wimberley was someplace that I enjoyed coming, and it was only an hour away from where we lived, so my friends were nearby. So we moved to Wimberley, and I started ninth grade here. It was by far the smallest school and the smallest town that I had lived in, but everybody was very welcoming. My principal at the time was Tucker Blythe, and he was so kind, and he really encouraged me to get involved in extracurricular activities. So I got involved in the theater program here and just sort of had the opportunity to be kind of a big fish in a small pond. I had opportunities here that I wouldn't have had student council president and theater and homecoming court, just things that would not have happened in another district. After I finished school here, I moved away and went to University of North Texas for college, and I got my degree in psychology. After that was over, I just wasn't sure if I was passionate about psychology and wanted to go further into debt. My mom wanted to open a gift store in Wimberley, and I had worked retail all through college. So I moved back and helped her open the store. What kind of store was it? It was called A Simpler Life. And there's a company called Melissa and Doug now. They make wooden puzzles and wooden toys. Back then, they were just starting. It was called Lights, Camera, Interactive. We sold their products at the very beginning. Burt's Bees, at the very beginning, we sold their products. We were just trying to find items that would simplify life. We ended up buying another store called Two Sisters, and we merged the two stores. It's across from El Dorado Trading Post. So we had that for a number of years. I kind of got reacclimated to Wimberley after that. 
At what point did you decide to move on from that? While we had the store, we had a lot of feral cats outside of the store, and I fell in love with them, and I was the one to take care of them in our plaza. It started becoming a dumping ground for people to dump cats that were unhealthy. I didn't make a lot of money. I didn't have a lot of money, but what I had, I used to get the vets spayed and neutered to get them vet care. And it brought me happiness. When there were kittens that we found, I would bring them into the store and try to get them adopted out into good homes. My mom was not thrilled (laughs) with that. We should have been focusing a little more on the sales aspect of the business, but I've always loved animals. And after the store closed, I got married shortly after that. And for a number of years, I just was a hobby pet sitter. I did it on the side while we were having children, trying to build our family And then only in recent years did I form my LLC and really focus on seeing if I could build this as a sustainable business. And what does that mean to focus on building it as a sustainable business? It's been a real learning curve. A lot of people think that pet sitting is just going into people's homes, giving the dogs a little food, a walk, a little love, and moving on. And it can be that. If that's what you're looking for, there are people on Facebook, there are neighbor kids who are happy to do that. But building it as a sustainable business is a lot of education. I joined Pet Sitters International, which is the largest education-based professional organization for pet sitters, and have taken webinars with them. I've joined several Facebook groups for professional pet sitters where you're able to bounce ideas off one another. There's so much more to it, to running a business, than I think most people would ever realize. What are some of the big things that you've learned that set you apart from that hobbyist pet sitter? I learned that I can't do it all by myself. I learned that I had trouble asking for help. I was comfortable being a one-woman show and relying only on myself. You can't do that in the long run. It leads to burnout it leads to compassion fatigue. There's only a certain number of hours in the day. And I was pouring myself into my business and resenting it. I was losing the joy for it. With pet sitting, you're working holidays, you're working weekends, you're working nights and early mornings. I was having to say no to any sort of social thing. If something came up with my children, it was hard for me to be able to arrange to be there. So What that looked like is this year I started hiring employees, and it was a game changer for the business. What do you do differently now for the pet sitting now that you're a certified pet sitter? So I took the exam, I believe it was just last month, to become a certified professional pet sitter, and that's through Pet Sitters International. It's the only knowledge-based exam for professional pet sitters. It came with a six-month period of studying, but a lot of it is using information that you've learned in the field as well. I think that I don't do things differently as far as the service of my clients. That is innate and natural. That is just really loving the animals, valuing the animals, kind of tuning in to what their needs are. But it looks different for me. It's more policies and procedures put into place to set healthy boundaries and achieve a work-life balance that I didn't have before. And you have communication with the owners while they're gone and out of town. You have an app. We use software. It's called Time to Pet. 
that also has been a game changer. We do all of our scheduling through that. Our clients, when they reach out to us, we send them an invitation to activate an account with us. They fill out all their information. We get information like obviously the pet's information, their care information, but also if there's an emergency, we get a neighbor who can step in if we're unable to come because of a freeze or because of a fire or something like that. They are able to make their schedule requests 24 hours a day. They just put it right in and we're able to approve them and it goes right onto the schedule. After each visit, the client gets a message. They get really cute pictures and they get a little report card. Things like where they walked, was the mail picked up, was the trash can rolled at the house, just so they can know what we're doing each time we come. It's also GPS tracked for our dog walking clients so they can see where we walked, when it began, when it ended. It's just a lot of people have anxiety about leaving their pets. These are their family members, and we want to ease that anxiety. And the software has made a big difference in allowing us to do that. I imagine that most of your pets that you sit for are dogs and kitty cats. What other kinds of animals do you love on? Currently, we have a daily goat ranch that we go to. That's been since June. So we've learned a lot about interacting with the goats and checking for their health if we're noticing anything unusual so we can let the client know. Chickens are very common, particularly in Wimberley. We have rabbits. We have horses, donkeys, miniature horses. We've had a few snakes. None of us are really comfortable with snakes. <laughs> I almost welcome having more snake clients so that we can get more used to them. Birds, really, you name it, we've had it. That's so much fun. And how many people do you have on your team now? There's me and three team members. How did you find or meet them? One of them was somebody that I knew who was also a hobby pet sitter on Facebook. She was my first hire this summer, and she had an injury that she had to step back from that. So I put a message out on Facebook in my group of people that I knew. I found a teacher who during the summer was just bored and wanted something to do. After that first employee, he was my next employee. And then when he went back to school, we needed to grow a little more. And so I used Indeed. I had a little bit of luck through Indeed. But the people that I hired ended up being just kind of word of mouth. There's also a Wimberley Employment Opportunities Facebook page that I believe my most recent employee found, his grandmother found me through there. What has been your biggest challenge or moment of learning in this process so far? Really just letting go and realizing that I'm not a solo show, that we are a team. This summer, I just had my first employee and it was just the two of us, and I wasn't using him effectively. I was still working 12 to 15 hours a day when he would have been happy to step up and take more hours, or I should have hired more people. So at that time, I was overworking. And in pet sitting in particular, when you're doing that, you're prone to careless errors, you're prone to accidents, and that can be dangerous. So I got bit by a dog this summer it was my mistake. I was holding a treat in my hand and getting him back to his crate. He was just a big goof who just wanted the treat and jumped up and bit my hand. I feel like if I had been better rested, I would have been better prepared and that wouldn't have happened. It might have. Things happen. But that helped me realize that I needed to step back a little more and allow other people to really help. They want to help. 
they want the hours. Yeah, I think that story is a really good metaphor for all businesses because you literally got bit. But all businesses and business owners have that moment in time where they start something. And for some businesses, it's part of their business model where they immediately have to have employees and a piece of their control has to be let go. For some, I just went to a mastermind for real estate agents. Some will hold on to their own little thing and have a hard time letting go and finding an assistant to make their follow-up calls. Or this particular mastermind was talking about building a team. I'm not in real estate, but I went to this mastermind with a friend and it got me thinking about all of the people that I know in marketing that start their own thing and they have to let go of design or copywriting or whatever it is, their expertise, but also build and expand. And at some point, we all get bit, we have to learn the lesson. And I think that that happens continually in business. But knowing when and how to let go and learning the lesson, and learning to grow from it is a great metaphor for all businesses. You literally got bit. Right. But it was a turning point. It was a lesson learned. It was. And change is always scary in every aspect of life. I, in particular, did not like change. And so I had a lot of anxiety about hiring and changing my business model. I was worried. I've been the name and face of the business for so long that I was worried that clients would have difficulty dealing with that. And some have had difficulty dealing with that. But I only hire people that I trust fully with my business. Once they take a leap of faith, they're able to see that the people that I've hired are wonderful people. It's also been so fantastic to have a team to lean on. It's a very lonely and isolating business. It's me and the pets. And now I have my team and we go to meet and greets together. We go to training together. And I love it. I love being able to process the visits, process new information with them. It's made it, it just feels so much healthier. It feels, I have so much more hope and excitement about it. Are your teammates contract or employees? They're employees. And that's a big topic that comes up a lot on the pet sitting forums. I think that having independent contractors can be beneficial for the business, but the government's not a big fan of it. And in reality, there are services like Gusto that help you do payroll For an IC, you can't legally train them. You can't schedule them. The person with the pet needs to schedule them. There's a lot of things that I think people aren't aware of that make hiring ICs a bad idea, particularly for the pet sitting business. A lot of people who have independent contractors skirt around or ignore those rules But that can really, really bite you in the long run. Right. I was just reading this morning on one of the forums about a woman who's been audited three times by the government. She's using her ICs correctly, but the government loses money when somebody has an independent contractor versus an employee. And so they're really trying to make an example of small businesses. So I would just rather avoid that. And I like the employee model. We have an employee handbook. There's extensive training that we're able to do that just works better for this business. In some ways, it's a lot more comfortable because you know you have people to depend on. Was that really a scary leap for you to say like this, I have full-time employees? They're not full-time. They're okay. part-time, but they're on board for any amount. Like, for example, we just did payroll this morning. 
they work part time in the last two weeks, but we've got the Christmas break, the holiday break coming up, and they are going to be working like crazy. They worked a lot over Thanksgiving. I was able to step back and go visit my family for the holidays. So yes, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's until you know your employees. It's scary to know that if they can handle things. I try to account for anything that can happen. Obviously, you can't do that. But two of my employees are men. Sometimes dogs don't do as well with men. They think they're threatening. So we always go together to meet any dogs that I think might have a problem with that. They've been great. They're the kindest, best men, you know. But yes, until you know your team, it's definitely scary. I want to keep them happy. I want them to stay with us long term. So that's my fear now is I love them. I depend on them. And of course, at some point may want to move on. So I'm trying to just breathe through that and know that there are good people out there that will come forward when it's needed. When one door closes, another one opens. Right. How big do you see yourself growing? Do you know? Or you just kind of go with the flow? I'm just going to go with the flow. <laughs> As the business grows, that's when you know if you need more people. There are a handful of professional pet sitters in town. Some of us have gotten to know each other and support each other. There is so much business in this town because there's so many animal lovers in this town. So a lot of us have different ideas of what we want the future of our business to look like. I know one of them is wanting to move into building a facility at her home and doing boarding. I think that we all try to work together, lift each other up, warn each other and support each other. But as far as my personal business, I just want to go with it. Eventually, I would like to be able to step back a little more from the field and try to focus on education and growing the business in a sustainable way. What does it mean to be a certified professional pet sitter? So that's just, like I said, a knowledge assessment for pet sitters. When you sign up to take this test, you pay a fee for it, and they give you training material that you can read over. That's been fantastic. I printed it all out, and it's in a handbook form, but it goes over everything from basic care of dogs and cats and other animals to CPR and first aid to preparing for disasters to office policies and procedures to social media to interviews like this. Like I said, there's so much to it as a holistic business. It was interesting to learn more in this one kind of fell swoop through the study guide, but so much of it was also an assessment of what I've learned out in the field, what I've learned just by diving into having employees, that sort of thing. And you also, to stay current, you have continuing education credit. So I'm going to Texas Pet Sitters Conference this year. I'm really excited. I'm nerding out about it because <laughs> it's a three-day conference, and you get to meet a lot of these people who have been doing this for a long time. The Pet Sitters International has a publication they put out quarterly. And they have somebody from an insurance company who always does an article on liability claims for pet sitters and what was accepted, what was denied, how much was paid out, things like that, that you really don't think of in the pet sitting business. He'll be there and I'm excited to talk to him face to face. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Do you have liability insurance for all of your employees? Yes, right. So everybody is background checked before I hire them. 
And then they're all on our liability policy and they're all bonded. So liability just protects our clients. If something were to break while we were pet sitting, if an animal was injured while under our direct care, that sort of thing. It even covers things like if the pet sitter gets locked out of the house and we need to call somebody to get us in. And then the bonding, of course, is just to assure the client that if something was taken from their home while a team member was there, then it's covered. We haven't ever had any claims on either of them. And so we're really thankful for that. But so nice to have. Do you have any funny or wonderful stories about your pet sitting experience? I feel like I could write a book. I have a lot of interesting stories. My favorite pets are ones that are nervous and shy and have anxiety and then we're able to win them over. There's a client that I visited this weekend who has a dog that she told me that the dog lived in a car with a homeless woman for a long time before they adopted him. And he was very nervous, very protective of the home. He's a little guy, but for the first couple of times that I went over there, he would just bark at me from the bed and run to the end of the bed, kind of growling at me. And I couldn't even get him outside to have a potty break. Then a little later, I would have treats and try to lure him and sweet talk him. And he would jump off the bed, but he wanted to bite my ankles. <laughs> and so I learned that I had to go down the staircase backwards so that he couldn't reach my ankles. And I just saw him this weekend after a long break. And we kind of went through the same process, but in fast forward motion. So within five, 10 minutes, he was outside cuddling with me and that's the best part is really getting to connect with the animals, get to know them. The goat ranch that I'm at right now, I would try to make the client laugh and give her reports on each of the goats. And I awarded the Naughtiest Goat Award to this one big girl who <laughs> would only let her daughter eat with her in the trough. There's two troughs. So if any other goat came, she would headbutt it. She had fur on the end of her horns, even from headbutting the others. And she's the absolute naughtiest. And she told me, I know she's naughty, but she'll let me cuddle her. And she's an awesome mom. And so over the months, I've gotten to know her and I love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that fierce mama yes. attitude that she has. Ten years, like, my baby's got to eat first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and only. And only. <laughs> Sorry, everybody else. <laughs> What was your original vision for this business and how has it lived up to your vision? Originally, I just wanted to do something that I enjoyed doing. I watched my mom work and come home stressed every day. She would need quiet time when she got home and just go to her room. And I thought, I don't want that. I want to come home and feel fulfilled. I want to feel content. I don't want to dread going to work every day like a lot of people do. And I knew that I loved animals. I knew that I was good at it. So that was my original vision that I just wanted to do something I enjoyed. It grew into now I want to do something that is can contribute to my family that is a successful business. I think a lot of people don't take pet sitting seriously. I will meet people and tell them I'm a pet sitter and it's almost like a pat on the head and a brush Aww, off. <laughs> right, yeah. right. That's cute. But it can be a successful business. It can be something that can support your family. And I'm only beginning to understand that. So that's my model now is I just want to continue learning the business aspects of 
this particular business and continue to grow in a way that feels not too big and it doesn't lose the personal touch, but something that eventually you age out of being able to do physical work. That's a real concern. And so ideally, at some point far down the road, I'd like to be able to sell my business. Last summer, somebody approached me about buying it, and it sort of sent me into a panic because it was nowhere near where it should be to be sold. And I wasn't interested in selling it. But that was kind of the kick in the pants that I needed to realize I need to do this in a better way, in a smarter way. I was using a paper planner. When clients called, I was writing down in my paper planner their visit requests. That leads to a lot of human error. It leads to forgetting a visit. A lot of things can happen. So when we switched to the Time to Pet software, like I said, huge game changer. The client makes the request and it goes directly onto the calendar. I was thinking recently the phrase work smarter, not harder. And I think that if you are a small business owner, you have to do both. You're always going to be working hard, but there are better ways to do it. And if you can network with other people in your field, you can learn from them. I've had so many people who were willing to help me realize the best way to schedule employees, help me understand software that I didn't know, point me toward professionals like CPAs who could help me. And I think that we owe that to each other. I want to help other people who are curious about starting out as pet sitters and help them avoid some of the pitfalls that I experienced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good lesson, no matter how small or medium or large a business is, no matter the size, there are always opportunities to systematize and make things easier, or even document. That was one of the things that you mentioned networking within your field. It's also fun and interesting to network outside of your field and see how other people are doing things and for me, having this podcast, talking to other people of all sorts of different types of businesses and seeing what's been automated, what's been systematized, and how that changes their business or what's been documented. So if you do lose a valued employee, the whole system and knowledge base isn't lost. It's all been written down so that training and onboarding for the next one is like, oh, no problem. You just read this thing. We'll talk about it. We'll train you as opposed to sometimes people rely on their leaving employees to do the training because they're the knowledge base. And then you can't trust that anything is transferred in the way that you want it to be transferred. There's a pet sitter named Doug Keeling who has started with a small pet sitting business in Florida. And it's grown to, I think he's in two different counties in Florida. He is able to step away completely from his business and do other things. He's a pet sitter who also travels overseas, like international pet sitting. It's really very wow. interesting. He'll be speaking at the conference and I'm very excited. He's in California. So he's in Florida, but he really stresses, write everything down. You need to have your policies and procedures written down. He said, if you go to a job, take a video camera and talk through it, walk through it, go home, write it all down. And the idea is, for example, if I ended up in the hospital or in a car accident, then what happens to my clients' pets who are relying on me? Now it's all there. We put it in the software, transcribe that sort of thing. And so somebody else could step in easily. We also do lock boxes now, which I didn't do before, which meant I had a lot of keys in my office. It's a lot of responsibility. Keys get lost. They fall between <laughs> car seats. 
So every new client at a meet and greet is issued a lockbox. We help them set it up and they put two copies of the key in it now so that if I'm unavailable, then one of my team members can go do the job. It's all right there on the software. The key is there. If there's a freeze and none of us can get there, then the neighbor can go over with the lockbox code and take care of the animals. So I'm still in the process of writing everything down, but that's part of eventually if the business were to sell, being able to hand that off to a new owner and they can continue seamlessly. How do you get your business? Is it mostly word of mouth? It's mostly word of mouth. Facebook is a great place. You'll see the community forum, people looking for pet sitters. Like I mentioned, people are looking for different things. We are a a professional pet sitting business, so it looks different than somebody who just wants to pay 10 bucks to a neighborhood kid to come over. That's not us. We always do the meet and greets to see if we're the right fit for the client, if they're the right fit for us. I would say word of mouth and Facebook are probably our number one resource. And how do you use Facebook? Because the reason that I ask this is there are a multitude of different types of businesses all looking to get their name out there and use social media. What's been most effective? For a long time, I just used it posting pictures of people's pets. That was fine. That doesn't bring a lot of interaction. I recently took a webinar through Pet Sitters International about a better use of social media. So now we try to share more, definitely clients' pets because they're adorable, but we do information about, we posted something at Thanksgiving about foods that were toxic to animals. I think, I don't know if it's gone up yet. I do our posts through Buffer, but we did something about the plants that are poisonous to cats this time of year. We try to give our clients information This summer, I reached out to all of the local vet clinics asking for some feedback about what temperature is too hot to walk dogs and how you would know that wasn't safe and some alternatives. And I got some feedback from veterinary clinics. And so we posted that information there. Also, through the community forum, I posted something recently, just a cute post about if your pet was on a dating app, what would its picture be? And There was so much interaction there, and it was just so fun to see people's (laughs) responses. The pictures are hilarious. I recently saw somebody's post of if my dog was on a dating app. It was the first time that I had seen it, and they put it to music, and it was (laughs) the best thing. I was like, this is therapy right here. It is. So good for you. It had these great pictures, but then it ended with the dog walking away, and it had this like nice little butt shake (laughs) set to the music. (laughs) So good. Sexy. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I thought, is this going to cross weird lines? But no, everybody was here for it. They were great sports. It was so fun. That's (laughs) awesome. One of the things I talk to my kids, of course, they're watching YouTube and different things here and there. And I'm always like, people are so weird or people are amazing. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Like the weird is even amazing. How did you come up with that idea? And the fact that the whole world gets to see it now. All these people were out there. We just didn't know it. (laughs) People are so creative. (laughs) They are. We learned during lockdown that we are social beings and we want to share our weirdness with the world. (laughs) I love it. Well, during lockdown was when TikTok became big. Yeah, all the dances. All the dances. My sons desperately wanted us to start a TikTok account together and we had big plans of performing Hamilton together we're big (laughs) we're big musical theater nerds in the family oh yeah (laughs) 
But I finally started a TikTok account for Puppy Love. And for me, I don't know that it achieves anything more than just making me and my few followers laugh. It's fun to capture those moments on the job where the animals are just being themselves Mm -hmm. and having fun and I'm sure you'll take off because so many people have TikTok or Instagrams just for their pets. It's a total therapy. Like I was going through your Facebook and I was like, ah, this is all I need. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm happy. It is. Well, and that's how I feel about the job. I can be overwhelmed and crabby at home with all my obligations. And even if we are booked solid and I'm working a 10-hour day, just seeing those animals, just it brings me a peace. It brings me a calm. And I'm so thankful for that. And I love that you're on the show today because you have successfully made a business out of something that you love. Like you said, you started off with just caring for the animals that came to you. They're like, ah, this lady's going to help us. <laughs> and you did and followed your passion And I think it's a really good lesson for people that you don't have to be a software engineer and a brilliant scientist or whatever it is with a big change the world plan in order to create a business that is going to fulfill your heart and your needs, but also your bank account. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's possible. It is possible. And it's not easy. But I think pinpointing the things that kind of light your fire is really important. I got my degree in psychology. I love it. I love people. I love learning about people. But I think that it would have been draining in the area that I wanted to go into, which was child psychology. It's only draining when I'm overworked, but it continues to be something that brings me joy But if you find something that you love writing, my son is an artist, he loves drawing, I think it's important to look at the different fields out there and then ask for help. Ask a lot of questions, get to know people, because like I said, they are happy to help. They're happy to lift others up. And you can do it in a way that you're not hustling for minimum return There are people who have learned these lessons before you and are willing to help you learn quicker. Absolutely. I was really surprised. I was working with a local photographer and we were just chatting and he asked me if I knew the owner of T3 in Austin because I had worked in an agency in Austin for 14 years. And I said, no. And he said, she started the agency by herself when she was really young and I think divorced at the time with two young kids and she created this agency on her own. I'm like, wow, what a rock star, because this is an agency that has its name on a building and has two or three floors and has been around for 20 years. And he said, do you want me to introduce you to her? I said, oh my gosh, I don't know if she would want to spend the time to talk with me. Here I am like fangirl. Yeah. (laughs) And he said, well, yeah, I mean, I can send an email. And he did. And we had lunch and she shared everything with me and was like, if you ever need anything, she's like, this is hard work. And she said the advice that she had was to hire and trust and also to not let yourself get burned out and then go down 10 years later looking back and realize that you didn't have time or didn't spend the time to do the things that you love as well. Or the reason she started an agency is because she was a designer And so at some point, she began to hate design because she was doing it so much. It took the joy out of the art. And so she had to find other ways of fulfilling the art bug 
but it took a long time and a lot of work and effort. So I guess a lot of lessons in that. And one of them is when you look and you see that name on the building, know that it didn't just happen overnight. Somebody put a lot of time and effort into that. And a lot of people put a lot of time and effort into it, not just one but also knowing as you're going through that path what your goals are. And if you want to enjoy life along the way, you have to build that in. Yes, it doesn't you just do. happen. Well, and I think that setting healthy boundaries is not always accepted by people. We had to shrink our service area so that we weren't spending all of our time driving. And it upset some clients. And it made me sad because we lost some dogs that we loved visiting but we realized that we had to do that for our own sanity. <laughs> I have another person that I've known for a long time that I interviewed here, and she does a great job of finding balance and moving forward. So she was interviewed. It's Maria Orozova, if you want to go back. She talks a lot about not being afraid or pushing through and into the fear and doing what like that one next step. And I feel like when you're in that place of being confident that you're doing what you love and finding the balance, then the next steps come more easily. They come more clearly. The other thing that she had talked about, which came to my mind when you were talking about reducing your footprint, everybody is always asking, what's next? How are you going to grow? What are you going to do to overtake your competition? That's not always the goal. So everybody's goals are different. Especially in America, we think like if you're not growing, you're dying. I just don't ascribe to that. It's really what's necessary for you, your business, your family. Sometimes pulling back is the best answer or looking at should we just slightly increase our prices to accommodate the economy or our needs versus taking on more clients, more employees, whatever right. the more is. We just had a price increase recently. The, the cost of gas was a real hit to us this summer. And then, of course, taking on employees, it's an additional cost as well. Using the software was an additional cost. And I was nervous about letting my clients know that there was going to be a cost of doing business increase. And somebody said, if you lose a couple of clients, then that's you're working less, but you're getting paid what is justified. Another thing that I was thinking about earlier that I blanked on was somebody also said along the way that if you weren't available as a pet sitter or if you died tomorrow, they're going to find somebody else. They'll be okay. And for so long, I said yes to everybody. And I said, if they were out of our service area by a couple of miles, I said, sure, that's fine. I'll do that. And what was happening was I was pouring all of my energy and all of my good hours of the day into my business. And I was tolerating the needs and desires of my family. We only have a limited number of years with our kids before they grow up and they're independent. And I want to cherish that time with them. So that being said, I don't want my business to suffer. And so the way to do that was to figure out healthy boundaries and to ask for help and to trust that help once you bring them on. So that has been so healthy for me. It's changed so much for me. I think that during COVID too, when everything sort of shut down, I homeschooled my children at that time. And that time spent with them was incredible. I wasn't watching the clock to rush off somewhere. I was getting to be creative with them, getting to be 
laid back and fun with them. And we hadn't had a lot of that in recent years. So that was sort of a lesson for me of what I wanted going forward. I love that. I think that we should all take some time to reflect on the beautiful lessons of the slowdown and shutdown of COVID. I know not everybody got to slow down. There were nurses and essential workers who had to really step up or had to be separate from their families in order to keep everyone healthy. And nobody really knew what to do. And it was scary and all of that. But there are some beautiful lessons in there as well. I remember thinking, how in the heck does everyone have time to binge watch stuff? I feel like I'm busier now, but it was good busy because I made bread, did yoga, gardened. But I also took the time to, it was like butterflies season. So we got the butterflies from Emily Ann. We did too. That was so special. <laughs> it I was loved so that. Cool. Watched the larvae turn into a butterfly. And then the kids were like, this one's mine. And our butterfly, like one of them flew away. The other one didn't want to leave. He's like, you raised me. <laughs> <laughs> we watched the bugs and we watched the sunset and the sunrise and we climbed trees and we had science lessons in the yard because I didn't know what else to do. For... We got to know our neighbors by walking yeah. around the neighborhood every day for our PE. Same. <laughs> it yeah. was really. I loved seeing so everyone walking all the time yes. and riding we bikes. We had wonderful outdoor nights with friends where we would just set up in the Baptist Church parking lot with our chairs and sit six feet apart from each other and catch up. It really made you cherish Oh, I had Zoom happy hours with my friends that I hadn't seen in 10 years. Like you have an opportunity with people all over the country, or I mean, not just country, all over the world that now I'm like having a happy hour with them and I wouldn't have before. And we aren't now, really, I imagine. It's easy to go right back to what was normal, but I think it's important that we take the lessons that we learn along the way and really implement them in our future planning. Yeah, so for me, I had just started my business the year, a year and a half before, and I was still in that high anxiety, fast paced agency mindset before lockdown. And at first I was like, okay, I got to stay and be here for my clients. And then I thought I need to be present for my kids. What a great opportunity. She completely changed my mindset. And I also started meditating more regularly because I had the time to do that. And that changed my life. And uh, sorry, I highly recommend meditation for everyone. I also highly recommend journaling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it journaling. helps me untangle the knots in my head and I turn it into a prayer just to release it and stop carrying that inside me. Well, and sometimes with journaling, it's kind of like a conversation with a friend, but you can say whatever you want to say. There right. are no secrets. So it like flows through you. And sometimes you learn things. So much. I tend to make lists. I'm very type A. I love my lists. But I'll even list in the journal things that are coming up that are causing me to feel overwhelmed. And then I'm able to check them off and also see that I saw a quote on one of your podcast captions about the universe is supporting you. It's amazing how strong we are. We get through things that feel mildly overwhelming to completely stress-inducing. We are strong and the universe is here for us. People are here for us if we just will open ourselves up to that. I absolutely agree. Right now we're recording before Christmas, and that's a really hard time for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. Particularly women. It's a lot of labor for women. It's a lot of labor. It's a lot of stress. There's money stress, kids stress. Mm. If you are a seasonal worker, knowing what to do with your children while you're gone. Right. 
and your pets. And then there's the whole concept of lost family or divorce or all those types of things. And if we kind of settle into the concept of the universe has your back Mm. and your friends and family, you're never really alone. Right. My oldest son struggled with depression in sixth grade, and it was a really difficult time for us. And actually, we're in a place of privilege in that the lockdown didn't hurt us much financially. My husband's able to work from home. That didn't change at all. But being able to kind of wrap him in this love bubble at home, it was a blessing for us. But we did a lot of mindfulness work together. And one of the things I think about is they say, think of your thoughts as clouds in the sky or your feelings or as leaves floating by you. It's okay to feel anything. I really didn't have much anxiety before 2020. It's kind of a new reality for me. And it's okay. It's not going to have a permanent harm to me. It's something that I can just kind of observe for me journaling, for my son drawing, and just let it pass. And then I think seeing what you have lived through and what you've endured is so empowering. And then more empowering is using that wisdom to help other people who are in the struggle at that moment. Absolutely. One of the things I was thinking about today, this morning, is what if we looked at every emotion as a great gift? Whether it's, you wouldn't know, I mean, we've been told before, you wouldn't know what joy felt like if you didn't have sadness. But what if we looked at that when we're in a puddle of tears or have no idea what to do with our business, we're ashamed that it didn't do what we wanted it to do or whatever it is. What if we looked at at that as a great gift and opportunity? Melinda Garvey with Austin Woman Magazine said that business is like a roller coaster. You have extreme ups and extreme downs, and you just have to hope that that, the next (laughs) curve is going to take you back up again. And that made me think this morning when I was thinking about the emotions, what if every time we thought we were at the depths of a low, we said, wow, something really great must be coming around the corner. Something really great must be coming my way because we can't stay here. So there must be something great. How can I prepare myself for that next climb? Yeah, that's a great perspective to have. I think I also suffered from depression for many years, and that was a lot of, they say it's anger turned inward. And I was so critical of myself and so judgmental of myself. And I had kindness for everyone else. And when I learned to give myself grace, I grew so much as a person. I'm more capable of giving other people grace now. I think having children was the turning point there. I would never want their inner thoughts to be replicating what my inner thoughts were. They deserve better than that. And so I try to do better so that I can teach them to do better and hopefully not take as long in the process of getting to love yourself and to be proud of yourself. And I think that's part of being a business owner too, that there are going to be, there's lots of hurdles. There's lots of times where you're going to do the wrong thing and it's okay. You're trying, you're doing your best and You'll figure it out with help and then take a minute to be proud. Be proud that that, your name is on that building. Be proud that you have a client base, that you have people who recommend you on Facebook. Be proud of those wins because 
it came about with your vision and it came about with your passion and it came about with your hard work. I think it's really important to give yourself credit and love for those actions. I absolutely agree. What advice would you have for someone who hasn't started their business yet, but there's something that they are passionate about, they're excited about, and thinking about taking that next leap? I would tell them to do research, look at job opportunities in that area, see what makes them feel excited, go meet with people in that field and try to spend time with them, see what an average day looks like, really just spend some time learning. The high school now, the kids pick tracks that they want to study. And my son's in ninth grade and in eighth grade, he had to pick his track. And I was in a dead panic about that and a little bit angry because I thought, what 13-year-old knows what he wants to do for a living? Cut to now, he's doing AV technology, I think it's called, and he wants to do animation. And it's super cool because he gets to learn about career paths that he could take. He gets to learn about potential income in those career paths and have a realistic idea of what he would need to have the sort of life that he sees himself having. So there are always opportunities to learn. There are always people who are willing to give you advice. Like you said, talking to the woman at lunch, she was happy to share. And I think that most people are less competitive and less ornery about maintaining their privacy than we think they are. I agree. And, you know, I felt the same way when I was in high school that Germany has their kids pick a track when they start high school. And I thought that there is no way I could pick a track. Even when I started college, I was like, but the great lesson there as well is that if you pick something and you start learning, you then know if you like it or not. Exactly. It doesn't necessarily mean that's your life path and you're stuck. Yes, at all. I mean, I got my degree in psychology. My husband got his degree in music composition and he works for the VA. <laughs> you know, I mean, you just never know. I think education is never a bad thing because it leads to education about yourself and your likes and your passions, what you can live with and what you can't live without. So, yeah, I think that as long as you're flexible, I think being rigid is the biggest mistake. You have to just be able to try to roll with changes and allow yourself to make mistakes. It's really important. And I don't think our society gives grace when mistakes happen. But we're human. We're all human. We all make loads of mistakes. So I want my children to know that and to know that whatever they're interested in, those interests are going to change. You have a very limited view of the world at the age of 13 and 14. So you probably want to be a famous YouTuber because that's what the bulk of your time is spent doing. But as you learn and your world expands, we are in a place of a lot of privilege in Wimberley. It's a beautiful, wonderful place that is not always reflective of the bigger world. And so I think it is incredible blessing to live here. But when they go to college and they meet different people and they have different class opportunities and different life experiences. It's going to change what they want to do. It's going to change who they are. Thank you so much, Shannon, for joining us today and telling your story and chatting with me. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. It's been a great conversation. It certainly has. (laughs) We'll see you at the dog park. Yeah, let's (laughs) go to the Lego one day, meet some dogs and have a beer. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. (laughs) This episode was not brought to you by the Lego. Actually, I sponsored them yesterday. I really want to go. Exactly. It is cool. It's really good. 
So thank you all for listening. If you liked it, tell your friends, follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. The mission of MVP Business is to dig deep into the lives of true leaders so that others can follow, knowing that the path isn't always easy, but the journey is worth it. So enjoy the day and live with passion.